Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. But much like organized crime, the church had a uh, system, like the Russian mob or the uh, Italian mafia. They had a system, like a hierarchy, like a tier of people who, if you got caught doing certain things, you would get dealt with on that level. So like the mafia or whatever, the basic soldiers, which was anybody's dad. If you got caught running somewhere by yourself, unaccompanied by a parent, hey, 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 where are you going? Bob, I was going to the bathroom. Okay, hurry up and get back where you go. I'm going to do it right now. Okay, I'm there. And it was always this basic soldiers, okay? But you respected them because they were, you know, skull rings in their pocket, cigarettes in their sleeve, you know, sailor tattoos. I mean, just like, hey, where are you going? Okay, I'm going. Now, whatever it is, I'm going. The next level up were these two guys, and I don't even know if they were related, but their names were Bill and Dave Thomas, and they weren't the Wendy's guys or even looked like the Wendy's guy, you know? But they would roam the church, and if you were bad on any level and you, got, you were, like, disrupting class, they would go get you. And see, here's the thing about it. When they would go get you, they would then take you to your dad or to your mom in the church. Come with me. Excuse me, Mr. Ellis. Does this belong to you? Is this your little pocket-sized idiot? You know? Like, and see, the problem with that is this, is that if they come and they took you and they took you down to the, to the front of the church or to the... To, the, to your parents, some kids, some kids never came back. <laughs> I haven't seen Timmy Heinlein since the third grade. It's just a wild deal. But that was only like the second level. Those are like henchmen, like hitmen. I mean, Dave and Bill Thomas. That's just what they did. They roamed around, and when you saw them, you're like, oh, like you don't come with me. Ah, here we go. But then there was like, you know, the Don. You know, like if you got caught playing in the church and I lived across the street from the church, Luke and I, I mean, Luke would come into the school during the summer. I mean, come into the church during summer and he would play at the school and play at the church all day long while we didn't have school. And so Luke and I grew up together playing all the time. And so we would get my pet rabbit and we would let it loose in a sanctuary and try to chase it and catch it. You know, we would scour the pews for like offering money that like maybe people just fell out of their pockets. We had a go up to the store and get a, get a beef jerky. I mean, it was, but there was a few things you don't do. You don't play, you don't play in wheelchairs. Don't play in the wheelchairs. It's just completely disrespectful to play in a wheelchair. It's like, what's the problem? Like, because you're playing in it and it's not a toy. Okay, do you want me to call your dad? No, I don't want you to call, I don't want that, no. But this is the way it was. There were some things you did not do. I remember when Craig Metzger crawled up in the resource room, that, which was upstairs, and he fell through the sheetrock. And I don't know that he ever recovered from that, you know? <laughs> Spiritually, I mean. I don't know that he was ever okay again. I, I don't know. It was a bad, bad deal. But if the preacher caught you messing around in church, doing things you were not supposed to do in church... He's the Don. He's the Godfather. Forget about it. You know, just, that's it. Just forget about it. You're done. You're done. You just did not want that on your back, on your shoulders. It was a bad deal. I come in here sometimes and I hear people saying these phrases. This phrase, I hear it over and over. And I've said it and I don't like it. Let me give you an example. I went downstairs uh, the other day, I mean, one Sunday. Um, 
I mean, if I just told you this story and I, I sneak downstairs between the music and the sermon and somebody's doing the uh, communion meditation, I go downstairs and behind a door, I hear little voices talking and I hear one of them say this, you know what? It's not right. It's an absolute injustice. But it's in a little squeaky voice and I'm like, so I just listen a little bit closer and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an organized meeting of these little kids, your little kids, you know, <laughs> they are behind this door and they're talking and one of them says, it's an, it's an absolute injustice. Like, and the other one's like, I agree, it's an injustice. And I was like, what is an injustice? Like, this is the inmates are taking over the asylum here. What is <laughs> happening? He's like, you know what? Every single week they put us in this dungeon and they won't play those drums until we're downstairs. And that's wrong. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's one way to look at it. You know? Like, they, they only get out the fun stuff, all the fun things, when we're gone. They don't let us, anybody give you a little, uh, a little grape juice and a chiclet? No, no one's offered me any. And I hear them talking back and forth. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this is kind of strange. And one of them says, I say we, uh, I say somebody's got to play those drums. Someone's got to play those drums. Immediately after church, when we go back up to the Sanctumary, and I thought, Sanctumary? I don't think it's called a Sanctumary. Sanctumary, anyway, they come up to the Sanctumary. So when we get up there, someone's going to play those drums. And one, one little guy says, uh, well, I mean, what do you need? Like, I need a commotion. I need a distraction. He's like, well, I can throw a fit. My dad hates that, you know. <laughs> and another one's like, uh, my dad drinks those 44-ounce drunk, those drinks, you know, then the styrofoam cup. When I come up, I'll just punt one straight over if you want me to. <laughs> and he was like, no, 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 think bigger, think bigger. And then, like, all of a sudden, one of them was like, I got it. We'll run. <laughs> Have you seen my mom? She's not catching me. We'll run. <laughs> Let's run. And I'm thinking, what? So after church, here they come. They come up and they run. And so they take off running these laps. And it, like, like clockwork, what do you do? Hey, 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 hey. You say the phrase. You say that phrase that we've all heard and that we all hate. Don't run in church. Come, 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 come here. Come here. Don't run in church. And all this while, there's this one little sneaky guy making his way up to come, come. Banging on the drums. Everybody's like, how did he get up there so quick? He's so sneaky. They got you. They got you. I heard it go down. I maybe should have warned you, but I, it, was, it was enjoyable. You don't run in church. See, when we grew up, we grew up in a building just about like this. The only difference was the walls went out a little bit further, so there's a hallway on the other side of these pillars. And you don't run in church because one time we were playing in there and Luke, when he was a little tot, come running by and he clipped his head while we were playing hide, hide and go seek on one of those pillars in the dark, knocked him out cold. You, all you hear is... Luke? 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 Just laid out on the floor. What's just happened? Freaking goose egg, monster goose egg on his head. You don't run in church. There used to be wooden pews. Now, see, we've got these comfortable seats here. So if you come by and you clip one of these, they'll roll, which strangely enough, I saw Luke riding a scooter in here and he clipped all the chairs on one of these corners at one point. Uh, the elders can take that up with him. I wasn't a part of that situation. So, so um, but it's dangerous. You can come through, you can clip, you can hurt yourself. You can, you can cut a corner and, and hurt yourself. There's a, there's a couple other things that can happen. You can come running through here and you could hit somebody else. This is why as parents we say, don't run in church. It's not necessarily about don't run in church. Maybe there's this sacred thing. It's a sacred space. Don't treat it ugly, whatever. But 
mostly it's for safety. Like, don't run. You're going to run into somebody else. We don't want that. You can just walk right over the top of somebody else. The other part is this. It is kind of a sacred space. There's something really weird about a church, about a sanctuary. It does have this weird inviting thing. I mean, think about this. We all sit in these chairs and we all face this direction. Like, I mean, he's in here and this is where he stands. It's a really kind of a strange thing. When I come through here in the middle of the week and I'll walk through the sanctuary or in the evening and there's nobody here, it's just kind of a sacred place. So don't run in church. But then we grow up. We grow up and we get to this place to where all of a sudden we're a little more refined. We can behave ourselves in class. We can listen through the sermon. Maybe we get a little bored. Maybe we daydream a little. But all in all, we mind our P's and Q's. We don't set up these you know, distracting meetings like the little kids in the nursery do when they're down in the Thunderdome. You know, it's not like that. I mean, we set and we behave and we do what we're supposed to do. But we're really not all here. I mean, you are here, but really are you, just ask yourself, are you really all here right now as we sit here? I mean, because I don't know about you, but I woke up this morning, I thought it's going to be nice. I wish I were fishing. I wish I could just call and say, I'm not doing it today. I'm going fishing. I had the thought. Don't talk to me after church. So I'm leaving to go fishing. You know? Like, I, this, is, this is what I'm thinking. Like, I would love to be in the weather, you know? We get split between our responsibilities and our failures. We think about the things that we have to do and sometimes the people we have to impress, the way we have to act, the standard that we got to, for whatever reason, live up to so that the people around us will continue to accept us and think that we're okay. And we get split. We get split. And we show up here and though physically we are present, we really don't do a good job of taking our minds and saying, okay, now I'm going to put my mind in this place and I'm going to wait and I'm going to see if I can hear from God today. Maybe we need to preach that sermon, one of the oldest sermons in Christendom. And it goes like this. No running in church. Because my guess is your mind, like mine, is always racing. And even when you're sitting, you're not sitting. You're moving. You're going. And you mean to tell me that you don't think Solomon understood this too? A guy who at every single opportunity was grabbing life and squeezing every bit of juice out of it as much as he possibly could. And he was done. He'd have this, this uh, the, the, the rind, the, the peel, and just this mush and this pulp in his hand. And all of life is now just dripping down his hands. And he's looking at it and he's like, and that's all that was in there? And he throws it aside and he grabs another riches and he mashes it. Women, and he mashes it beautiful gardens and he mashes them to his hands and what do they give him just a little bit of reprieve just a little bit of reprieve and so through chapter one we see it and then chapter two we see it in chapter three then he talks about having no friends friendlessness 
and toil and why work all the time and get nothing? He says this phrase, why two hands full of tranquility? I mean, why two hands full of toil when you can have at least one handful of tranquility? And isn't that always the balance? I'm going to go and I'm going to grab as much of life as I possibly can. It's a little stressful. I don't know if you've been out there. It's a little stressful. It can get a little, uh, a little overwhelming. You can see that somebody else has a thing and you wish you had a thing. Wish I had that. And so you work harder. Solomon talks about it. And so we strive and strive and strive and strive and strive because we feel like maybe we're behind, always behind, always below the standard, always down here, not in the place to where we just don't meet up to where everybody else is. And Solomon's like, it's useless anyway. It's useless. Why not take your one handful of tranquility and just relax? And he goes all the way through it. Then he gets to chapter five and he changes his tune. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. That's a little out of tune for what Solomon has been talking about. Yeah, I did this and this and this and this. It was It was meaningless. Chasing after the wind, pointless. Then he just stops and gets this very serious look on his face, like the one I remember my dad having on his face when I would come racing around the corner pew, not realizing it was him that was standing up there. Hey, oh, what? You need to slow down, don't run in church. Got you. Not a, no trouble. And Solomon turns and he says, but guard your steps. A minute ago, Solomon's like, everything's irreverent. Everything's just meaningless. It's all pointless. It's all just fickle. You know what I realized? Just I was reading this article, and it was talking about one of the symptoms of high-anxiety people. And this is a brand-new study, just like within the last month. This new study, one of the things that they're talking about as a symptom of this level of anxiety that we live at is cynicism. Wow. Now, isn't that true? Oh, so how's your day? Oh, good. Right? Living the dream. I mean, this sounds like us. So how's things going at home? Oh, you know. Awesome. How's marriage? <laughs> right? Cynicism. And Solomon, almost everything he says sounds so cynical. Why? What's the point? Why? What's the point? Then he gets here. As you approach the steps of the church, be careful. Guard your pathway on your way to the house of the Lord. And there's this sudden snap to attention, like, don't carry that in there. Don't carry that in there. Don't carry that in there. You need to be quiet you come in here oh really why no 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 not quiet with your voice you need to be quiet on the inside you need to calm it all on your way see there's this is a horticultural word is what this is this is a horticulture word guard tend cultivate garden your pathway 
prepare it. Water it, care for it, think about it. You wake up and you get ready to go. You're on your way to church. You know what I've seen happen? I don't know if you've ever experienced this. My guess is probably not. But she wakes up a little bit late. You woke up a little bit early. You were in the truck waiting and she was in the shower, showering. And minute by minute, as it passed by, all of a sudden you realize the longer she's in there getting prettied up, the uglier your face gets because of anger. Because you cannot believe you've told her 88 million times, I don't want to be late. But she doesn't seem to care. So finally she gets in the car, hi, hi, hi. And you drive in silence all the way to church. And sometimes you still sit in church. I'm still not talking to her now, you know. And she's right here, and I'm not talking to her. I'm still mad. I'm not sure if I'm going to forgive her just yet. We'll see how the sermon ends. <laughs> and this is how we operate. And that's our pathway to church. That's our pathway to the house of God. This is how we prepare our more. I'm ready to hear from the Lord. I hate her, you know? Really? That's how it goes. Ready to hear from the Lord this morning. He just cannot relax. Why can he not relax? This guy, always so wound up, got to be everywhere 10 minutes early. Oh, my goodness. That's our pathway to get here? I'd much rather be fishing. That's my pathway to get here? I'm anticipating hearing from the Lord today if I don't go fishing. That's it? Solomon says, no, 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 no. Garden your pathway to the house of the Lord. Cultivate your pathway on the way to the Lord. Because you are about to come into a place to where you're going to be able to sit with other people, your soul mingling with their souls, God's word being cast out over the top of us, him being able to communicate back and forth to us, and my heart is rushing around, running in church, violating the number one rule, don't run in church. And on the inside, I'm running in church. I just want to get this over with because I want to get home, because I want to throw a lure in a dirty creek. I don't want to be here because I'm thinking about this and I've got to do this thing. But hold on a second. Here's the crazy thing about connecting with God is that he's a gentleman and what we want is we want him to be like the teacher and shriek that loud whistle over the top of us, take control of the situation, step into our life, and make us do a thing. But here's the thing about God is he won't. You know what he wants? You to make the time to open up the space, to get your heart in a place to where now you can receive, now you can hear, now you can listen. But that's so much work. That's so much work. For me to stop thinking about the things that worry me. That's so much work. It's so much work for me just to sit down and say, okay, I am going to sit here and I'm going to listen. I'm not going to do another thing while I listen. I'm just going to sit and I'm going to listen. I'm going to read. I'm going to do this thing. We set up a whiteboard at our house. It must have been a couple of weeks ago. And what we're doing is we're doing 30 days of Bible reading and prayer. And so every day we wake up and everybody gets, they got their little uh, chart. So you go mark off your deal when you've done your Bible study and you've done your prayer. Well, if you don't get your Bible study and your prayer, we take it to the other extreme. Now, instead of an X on the box, you get a great big loser written in your box is what you get, you know. 
because <laughs> we just don't play really nice at my house. <laughs> oh, super, or you're going to hell. That's kind of the, I mean, that's really kind of the way it's, it's kind of played, you know? And so we get these little loser box. You get a little loser in your box if you don't get it. And so Brooklyn, she, my youngest, she thinks it's really, really great. So if you don't have yours filled out by the time she's going to bed, she's like, you're going to get a loser. I'm like, hold on. My bedtime's not the same as yours. I'll get to it. No, well, I'm going to now get away from the dry erase board. Move on. Move on. But it's true. To make that space, to cut out that space, to stop my heart from running in church is so difficult. I can't tame it down. It wants to think, it wants to do, it wants to run, it wants to go. But it will not just sit stagnant and say, speak. Speak to me. We're not a group that likes silence. I mean, as far as the people. We like music playing all the time. We like TV running in the background. We like people talking. We like to hear things going on. Drive down the road. We don't need to talk to anybody in particular, but we'll pick up the phone and we'll call people. Just at random. Just call them. Hey, what's going on? Nothing. Just driving down the road. Thought I'd just kill the next seven minutes before I have to get out of my truck and go to the next thing where I get to hear stuff. We don't do a good job. Just sitting and listening. Does God want to speak to me? Listen to what Solomon says. Guard your steps as you go into the house of God. We must cultivate this pathway. Here's the next part of the verse. Go near to listen rather than to make the sacrifice or offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. See, part of the problem is this. We show up in a place like this. And we think, okay, what do I need to do to like check all my boxes so that God will be happy with me this next week? I need to pray, I need to take communion, I need to be like, God, I'm sorry for my sins, and, uh, and then I need to start thinking about what I'm going to wear tomorrow. Now I need to start thinking about what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do for lunch. I need to start thinking about, and this is what we do. And we start looking for these ways. These are the sacrifices that fools make. As if God were a child. You know how you speak to children, Right? Hey, Daddy, can we go outside and fly a kite? I was wanting to make a waterfall, and I was hoping we could just slide down it. Will you buy me a gymnastics kit? Well, maybe. We'll see. I mean, we could. We'll have to see. Well, we could. We'll have to see. And then I show up here to church, and that's how I talk to God. Hey, God, how's it going? Good, good, I'm good. I'm glad you're well. I was thinking maybe uh, here's what I'm needing today. I'm needing this and this. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd like to do that, so we'll just see. We'll see. We'll see. Jared, I want you to do this. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll talk about it. We'll think about it. I'll ask your mother. We'll see. It's the sacrifice of fools. We begin to just make these things. I don't want to get too close to God. He's going to overtake. We have to create the space. Quick story. 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah the prophet has really, really suffered. This is after Solomon's days. He's really suffered. He's trying to bring the word of God to the people, but they begin to tear, they begin to tear down the altars, and they're coming against all the prophets, and many prophets have already been killed. And Elijah runs, and he hides, and he crawls into this cave, and he hears this voice, and it's the Lord, and the voice says this, what are you doing here? He says, I'm trying to seek you with all my might. He said, everything's going bad. Like it's all falling apart. All your people are crazy. 
they're, trying to, they're cutting all the other prophets in half. They've all been killed. I'm the last decent person left. You ever been there? <laughs> like, why can't everybody just do what I want, you know? What would be so much better if everybody would just do what I do, you know? And Elijah's like, this is what's messed up. It's like it's so terrible. And then all of a sudden, there was this thing that happened. Check this out. What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rock before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, fire overran the mountain, but God was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Then the voice said, what are you doing here? What's beautiful about this passage is this deal of that when Elijah got through his thick skull, the idea that God's not going to come in and just crash into his life, but God is going to speak quietly, but only when he's ready to hear it. This is one of the most dangerous things in the world because here's the problem. We can all stand back from a distance and say, where was God when this and this and this and this and this happened? Why didn't God ever speak? You know, I went through this thing and nobody came along and encouraged me. Yeah, I've been in that place too. But you know what other place I've been in the majority of my life? I spend so much time talking out loud and to myself, telling myself all kinds of crazy stories, telling myself what I think needs to be done that I quit listening to God a long time ago. Maybe he did speak, and I kept thinking, he says, oh, so God blew the rock apart. He must want me to go blow the rocks apart. God shook the ground with an earthquake. Maybe that's what he's telling me to do. God consumed it with fire. Maybe he wants me to go and just consume the situation with fire. And then I left, and I didn't even get to the last part. Maybe he was speaking softly to me, but I'm so tone deaf and so messed up and my ears are not tuned to hear his voice anymore, maybe that's what the problem is. We are responsible to create the space to where we hear God speak to us. We're responsible to create this space. If you are not moving forward, I, I, know, I know when people say things like, well, I just didn't get much out of church. <sighs> that's dangerous ground, you know? You mean like a... Like a uh, like a, uh, what are the little vending machines where you put your quarters in and it turns the spiral, but it didn't turn the spiral far enough and you didn't get what you wanted from the machine and you're frustrated and you know there's a camera and so you don't kick it, you know? You think, I just didn't get what I was wanting. Yeah, it might cost you a couple more quarters. 
it might mean you have to invest a little bit more than that pocket change you was throwing at the Lord a minute ago. It might mean you have to dig in a little bit deeper into your pocket. You want to hear something from him? You might have to dig in a little bit deeper. Solomon brings us to this place and he says, now hold on. I know I've been cynical about a lot of stuff, but here's some stuff I don't mess with. You guard your steps when you go to the house of the Lord. You quiet your soul and you show up ready to hear what he has to say because he will blow your mind if you just listen. If you just listen, he will blow your mind. Mm -hmm. 